I'm a very bored man, and I like to ramble about pop culture and enjoy not being sober once in a while. If you listened to last week's episode, I went on and on about House of Leaves, as well as how difficult it is to adapt certain works from a different medium, namely the jump from book to film. If you're interested, you can go ahead and listen to that one first, that way you get an idea of what this is sort of about. And if you did listen to that episode, you'll notice that the music for this one is a bit different. You'll notice it's a lot darker. It's a lot more evil and sinister, almost with a sense of dread and foreboding. Well, I felt it was very on brand for what I want to talk about this week, because I've just finished reading The Mothman Prophecies, a book by John A. Keel that was published in 1975. John A. Keel, the author, was a very prominent um, paranormal investigator. Essentially, he was the X-Files before the X-Files. And one of his big notable things was coining the phrase Men in Black, or so he's often been credited as the person to first coin it or make it popular. But just as famously, John investigated the mysterious sightings and phenomenons that were occurring in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And in 1966, John went there to investigate further into what was going on, all the different UFO sightings and all the different strange, terrifying accounts. But none of them would turn out to be more famous or more impactful than one that was given by two young married couples one cold night in 1966 when they claimed to have seen a seven-foot-tall winged man with glowing red eyes. This, of course, being the first official reporting of Mothman. And in John Akeel's book, he doesn't just list the different accounts, the different stories that he heard about Mothman. The book, surprisingly, isn't very much about Mothman. Instead, it's focused more on UFO sightings. You see, apparently in Point Pleasant, there wasn't just a normal, an abnormal number of sightings of a seven-foot-tall winged man with red glowing eyes. Point Pleasant was bustling with UFO activity and sightings and, as the book implies, encounters with aliens who have disguised themselves to look like us. Aside from just seeing Mothman, there were all these reports of mysterious phone calls, voices in their heads, beeps and dashes seemingly written in Morse code, people were assigned numbers. John A. Keel goes on about all these encounters with aliens. And so you get a deeper understanding of 
what was terrorizing this town. It wasn't just Mothman, it was something else. And it's possible they may be connected. But what Johnny Keel was actually trying to disprove is the notion that Mothman is an alien. He makes it very clear, he states right in his book, that he's not implying that Mothman is an alien. He doesn't really know what Mothman is, and that's probably why there's so little of him mentioned in the book. Whereas, he knows far more about UFOs, so he can probably explain UFOs. What he does get at is that the Tibetans refer to these creatures as tulpas, which is a physical apparition found in energy that's within the air, and either a handful of people can only really see through the energy, or the energy will only reveal itself. I can't quite remember, it was so far back in the book, it was right at the start. I remember that much, but not much further. But essentially, John A. Keel, he goes back to this point a few times. The idea that Mothman is some kind of apparition of energy. Some weird figment, possibly from another world entirely, another dimension. All he really says is that it's a strange creature and it was happening during a very strange time for this part of the world. For West Virginia, Point Pleasant, tiny little town. But where the book gets intriguing is that John Keel insists that he was being given messages, warnings, something bad was going to happen. And then one day, in 1967, during the Christmas, 13 months to the day of the original reported sighting from those two couples, the Silver Bridge at Point Pleasant, West Virginia, collapsed and killed 46 people. After that, the Mothman sighting stopped. And what John Keel points out is not that there hasn't been a Mothman sighting since. That's not what's interesting to him. What's interesting is a report from a woman who saw two men climbing along the side of the bridge as it was collapsed. And these men were wearing regular shoes, regular coats, checkered long coats. Even though it was wintertime, they were just wearing normal shoes, kind of like dress shoes. What makes this revelation interesting is that that is the same description of every supposed alien figure in the book. They wore long coats and dress shoes, and slacks. So it's implied that 
Aliens were probably tampering with that bridge, and then it collapsed. If John Keel's sightings were proven true. Now, I'll be honest, I was disappointed when I read this book. Because I've never been one who's excited about aliens. Aliens to me never really seemed intimidating. They never seemed frightening. I never had much interest in them. The only interest in any aliens I've ever had would probably be E.T., the Martians from Toy Story, and the Xenomorph from Alien. The Xenomorph is my favorite alien because it resembles something from another world. There's like, there's this lore surrounding it, this mystery. It's the greatest Lovecraftian creation that he never made. It's a perfect organism with an unknown origin and is far more advanced and perfect than anything we've ever seen before. That's why I've never really been fond of Aliens as much. Aliens is a fun movie. But that original Alien, I was more afraid of the Xenomorph. It was crafted and painted to be the perfect killing machine unstoppable and then you watch aliens and there's dozens of the things getting shot down and cut through like they're nothing sure lots of the characters die but that's only because there's so many of them they can't kill them fast enough and that's not what i felt made the xenomorph intimidating or frightening it's the idea that you should be afraid if there's more than one of them if there's more than one of them there's no way you're gonna kill any of them you can barely kill one so you throw six unkillable creatures at you, it should be horrifying. But instead, they're just dying left and right. It's not... The only scary thing is that, oh, there's a lot of them. And that description of the Mothman being something beyond our comprehension, something that's from the unknown, how frightening the unknown is, is actually written in John Keel's book. That's how he describes it at certain points. That's what makes Mothman so frightening. That's what makes all these cryptids so frightening. I've been obsessed with Mothman since I was a little kid, since I found out that not only did he terrorize an entire town for over a year, but that when that bridge collapsed, he vanished and no one's really reported to see him much since. A lot of people feel that Mothman was a warning, or that he was the one that caused the collapse of the bridge. But especially those who don't read John Keel's book, they won't know about that extra connection with the aliens crawling along the side. There even was this false rumor, this false curse, that a, a tribe leader um, named, I believe it was Cornhusk, who cast this curse on the town of Point Pleasant during the battle for Point Pleasant against the, uh, the colonists. But the curse never happened. The earliest finding of it was in a fictional play about the battle that was written 
and obviously that curse was put in for dramatic effect. But still, all of the mystery is causing people to try and find their own conclusions, their own reasonings. And that's what makes Mothman so interesting, so we really don't know anything about it. All we know is that it was, by all accounts, from the people in West Virginia. It was a seven-foot-tall humanoid creature with a wingspan of about ten feet. Horrible red glowing eyes. And it can just take off like a helicopter. And it doesn't flap its wings. And no feathers, too. All these different origins, all these different theories, but one consistent look. So, for someone like me, I'm someone who likes to believe in the paranormal. I find this really interesting, the idea that there can be a creature out there. And we haven't seen much of it in over five decades. We don't know where it is, we don't know what it came from, and depending how you look at it, we don't know if it's even real. But enough people have seen it, and enough of the stories line up so perfectly. That's what John Keel gets so right in the book. There's so many undoubted similarities with the stories and the accounts. And all the people, by John Keel's account, these were not your typical nuts. They were members of the Chambers of Commerce. The Chamber of Commerce. Um, they were teachers. They were lawyers, bankers very well-respected people of their communities. Those were the people who saw Mothman, mostly. When you hear all of this, and you think of the 2002 movie starring Richard Gere and Laura Linney, it makes me respect that movie even more because it got the whole mythology, that whole, that version of the story right. The John Keel novel, it's a perfect adaptation, and it perfectly captures what John Keel painted. Because in that movie, you don't really see Mothman. You hear stories about him, you never see him once. But you see people talk about him and what they saw and how horrific it must have been for them. How haunted they are by what they saw. And along the way... Richard Gere's character gets calls from a man named Ingrid Cole, or Ingrid Cole. And these loud shrieks over the phone, weird messages, that's what John Keel experienced, that's what many people experienced. Their encounters with aliens involved a man who claimed to be Ingrid Cole, but... Ingrid Cold was clearly not human. He was spotted from flying saucers. And the movie puts this in, and it puts in this whole mystery. It paints it like a mystery thriller, not a horror film, not a monster movie. And in many ways, that has to make it the best movie about cryptids ever. Because when you look at all the cryptids, you have the famous ones. You have Mothman, you have Sasquatch, the Loch Ness Monster, the Jersey Devil, 
the Wendigo. Anytime people try to bring those creatures to screen, they always try to make it a horror film. They always try to make it a monster movie because they think we want to see cryptids rip people to, apart. They think we want to see brutality of creatures. But that's not really it. At least not in the case of Mothman. You can't really do that. Mothman just kind of showed up. People would see him and they'd be frightened of him, but he never killed anybody. He would just chase cars and he would ruin people's weeks because they could only think of his two red glowing eyes, but he never killed anyone. At least, not if you believe that he didn't cause the Silver Bridge collapse, if that's how you feel. But really, he never really caused direct harm to anybody. Outside of that, no reports of them being attacked, no reports of seeing their friends killed by Mothman. He would just appear, stare at you, and then he would go. And you can't make a monster movie out of that if there's no real monster to have. What's made Mothman such a popular cryptid, especially for me, he's one of my favorite urban legends, is the mystery around it. There is a bit of the creepiness, yes, but it's the mystery. That's what's interesting about it. You don't want to know Mothman. You don't want to see Mothman. You just want to hear about him. You want to hear people talk about how frightening he is. So you can assume in your own mind. That's what the Mothman prophecies of the film got so right. The way they filmed certain scenes it was truly horrific. But you take a movie like Suburban Sasquatch. It was written and directed by David Waskovich. He made a monster movie. And granted, the film's has more flaws than just simply how it portrayed the creature. But you see that creature rip people's arms apart, you see him crush heads. Although I will say, Waskovich did include the fact, or not a fact, the theory that Bigfoot may have mythical powers and magic, due to a lot of sightings reporting that he clearly has some supernatural capabilities, or he may be a shapeshifter, but that's not really why people like Bigfoot. It all stems back to that 1967 footage of the two men from Montreal who saw this gigantic ape figure walking and looking back and keep on moving. The idea of seeing this giant creature, this force, just walking in the woods, something that should that something that does defy biology and the animal kingdom as we know it. How does it exist? That's what people like about Bigfoot. They see it as a regular creature. That's exploring the woods. What is it? Does it 
think differently? Is it any different from anything we've ever seen? What is it? And a film that seemingly got that portrayal right was Letters from the Big Man that was written and directed by Christopher Munch. That's all about a woman who goes out to live in the woods for a bit and she starts to get these messages and she starts to find she's being stalked by Bigfoot. This is not a horror film, it's a drama. You see Bigfoot frequently throughout the movie, whereas in the Mothman prophecies, they never show Mothman because ever since Jaws, it has become the movie standard to not show your monster at all, at least not until the very end. You want to keep it in mysteries. It's also much cheaper from a filmmaking standpoint because you only have to worry about special effects makeup at the end or VFX if you can't do it with prosthetics. But Lies from the Big Man shows Bigfoot frequently, and that's because he's not a monster in this movie. He's an animal, he is a creature, but he's an intelligent creature. He is shown thinking, he's shown just emoting, he's shown just existing, because Christopher Munch doesn't see him as like this big evil monster or even an alien, he's just simply a, an animal out in his elements. He's probably intelligent because he's a primate. But because he's such a unique primate, maybe he's more intelligent than the ones that currently exist. What if he's the missing link? Because of this more loving obsession with Bigfoot, the more popular and some would consider the best movies about Bigfoot are the ones that aren't horror-centered such as Letters from the Big Man and Harry and the Hendersons, in which he's portrayed as this big, lovable animal. It's like an Air Buds movie, except with Bigfoot instead of a little dog. But it's so much easier to just make an over-the-top monster movie. And that's why every movie about cryptids that's in the horror genre. You look at the rating, not many of them have succeeded. Not many of them resonate with audiences or critics. Maybe it's because they're going after the wrong cryptids. Maybe they're just not thinking about it. Mothman has to be a mystery film to work because that's the whole point of Mothman. And something like Bigfoot, he's not really scary. He's just an animal. People are curious because they want to study him for anthropological reasons, not for horror film reasons. But something like the Jersey Devil and Chupacabra and Loch Ness Monster, especially the Loch Ness Monster, you could easily make an effective, chilling horror film. Done in a more traditional sense, many people would consider the Mothman prophecies a horror film, but it's more of a mystery thriller, but with some horror elements because some of it is scary. But to go more with a true to form horror film, you'd want to adapt the meaner ones to the screen. And 
I feel that it's so important to really understand the, the whole backstory of these cryptids before you go after them. There have been misfires that are done in really peculiar ways. Backfires done by fans of cryptids. One big example that comes to mind was the comic book that was written by Brian Johnson and illustrated by Walt Flanagan uh, called Cryptozoic Man, which is all about a man that has the DNA of the six major cryptids of the world, you know, the Bottomless Snowman, Jersey Devil, Mothman, Sasquatch, etc. And with this basic concept, that's all it says, he's cryptozoic man made of cryptids and he fights other monsters so it's kind of like an old-fashioned marvel comic you know, old-fashioned dc you know accident happens and you become a monster or you become a hero it's up to you unfortunately reading this book it leans heavily exposition wise into the sci-fi of it all in this book, Johnson and Flanagan theorized that the cryptids are actually portals. Portals to other dimensions. And that aliens are keeping them secure so that other monsters from other dimensions can't cross over. Now, I should also say the story's told in a non-linear fashion and jumps back and forth. Also, the structure for the story is that our main character, Cryptozoic Man, is told everything that is happening in long monologues by other characters. Every issue. There's only two out of four of the comics in which he actually fights other creatures and kills them. Instead, Brian Johnson wanted to go at it more from an Alan Moore route, try to be metaphysical and very abstract. And it's a big misfire, because with the concept of a man having the abilities and the DNA of all six cryptids, it should be an over-the-top B-horror film. It should be fun. It should be a, a character study with tons of focus on the body horror elements. You know, they don't even get into what it is like to actually have your arm be the Loch Ness Monster. To have half a face comprised of Mothman. You shouldn't go off about multiple dimensions and these creatures and aliens and all that, even though even Bigfoot has been attributed to being an alien. In fact, all the cryptids have been considered aliens because they had to have been from another world or another dimension, if you go for the H.P. Lovecraft aspect of it all. So on the one hand, it does make sense to try and work that in because it is a very popular theory for most cryptids, it also doesn't make sense for the story you set up, which is 
a man with the DNA. No one really cares too much about aliens and dimensions. They want to see a man who has the arm of the Loch Ness Monster biting heads off with the Loch Ness Monster arm. Nobody wants to be told about a possibility with Men in Black in multiple dimensions. And even though Walt Flanagan does some amazing artwork here, the story is just not what you want when you hear that concept. If it was called Cryptids, simply, and it was just about cryptids, it could make more sense. But there's a time and place when you explore other theories, other viewpoints that lean more towards the metaphysical and the spectacular. It just disappoints me that we've yet to have a truly fantastic film about a cryptid. The Mothman Prophecies is a solid film. However, proper horror story that people are waiting for. Why can't we get it done right? It's very similar to like what I talked about last week about books. Seems that people are going after the wrong ones and are going about it the wrong way as a result. Not everybody can make a film like The Man Who Killed Bigfoot and Adolf Hitler, or The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then the Bigfoot. That's a film with Sam Elliott, who plays a man who, as the film portrays it, possibly did kill Hitler. And then he's recruited by the FBI to go find Bigfoot and kill it. The film could portray it literally, but the way it's told, the way it looks like, it's a slow burn character study, a drama. And there are two interpretations of it. It all happened literally, and Bigfoot just gets killed by Sam Elliott. Or another way to look at it is that he imagined all of it. He wished that he killed Hitler or that he be prominent enough to kill Bigfoot. Something of legend. A man who wished he was more of a legend than he was, that he was an urban myth. Or it's a man who kills not just Bigfoot, but is trying to conquer old age. And Bigfoot represents that, you know, the missing link, the old past. That's what he is. He killed Hitler and he was buried away. Nobody cares. He's the missing link to something massive. And that's what Bigfoot could represent. So when he kills it, he finds that he's just killing a part of himself. And again, using Bigfoot in that method is so strong and so smart. Because Bigfoot's not supposed to be scary. People look at him and we think, oh my god. What does this mean for us as evolution? As, you know, a, a whole species? Because we did originate from apes and we don't know where that thing is. Where does it come from? What are we connected to that? 
Then when you look at Bigfoot movies, all you mostly see are straight-to-DVD horror films. But that's not why we care about Bigfoot. I care about Mothman because I think he's truly terrifying, but not terrifying enough to have a Jaws movie. He is something that needs to be investigated, something to make you go mad and just wonder how can something like that exist? How can it exist? Bigfoot we can explain. Oh, just the missing link. You know, we have all sorts of scientific proof, but Mothman, that's something that defies all logic. That's something that needs a horror film, but an investigative, thoughtful horror film. Chupacabra, that could be a your true monster movie. Same with the Loch Ness Monster. You can get real Lovecraftian with it. People need to leave some of these cryptids alone, or they need to pick up certain cryptids, but then also think about what you're going to do when you approach that thing. Don't make Chupacabra an alien movie. Make it a monster. Try and find some depth if you can, but treat it for what it is. Just like Mothman was not a monster, Mothman is something we can't explain, just something that kept showing up, something that may have been curious, but emanated true fear. That was another constant thing. People always felt this constant, unreasonable fear when they saw Mothman. Maybe, and that's what alludes to the idea that he was to warn them about the bridge. Run, go, get out of here, and don't ever come back. That's why he chased cars, make sure they would actually leave. Or maybe he was being territorial. Point is, there's no reported, recorded things about Mothman directly killing somebody. Or harming them. So why make a movie in which he does? Same with Bigfoot. Why make a movie about that? Instead, go after the demon that drinks blood. Why aren't you making a horror movie about that? I think I've spoken about as much as I can about this. I want to thank all of you for listening. Those who cared to listen. And stay posted. I don't intend on slowing down my consumption of different art and media. So next week, I'll be back with another drunken rambling regarding pop culture. And I will indeed be very bored.